Hi guys, welcome back to the second episode of what is now known as the Half Strong Very Pretty podcast. Um, today's guest is Lizzie Bell, aka Lizzie Kicks, um, a former international gymnast, world champion kickboxer, and now a coach in particularly obese and overweight um, clients. That's right. That is right. There we go. Can I just say, uh, can I be the very pretty? You can be half strong. That's, that's absolutely fine, yeah. I'll take that one I'm, I'm only half strong for sure, so that's, um, that's no problem. Um, can, so just obviously the people don't know you, can you give a little background yeah. on sort of, firstly, I guess your sporting history, because it's quite um, impressive, and then a bit about your coaching. Sure, so sporting history. I was a gymnast from, I started actually really late, so I was always weirdly strong and really mm-hmm. active probably because yeah. ADHD as well, just running around like a lunatic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eventually put it into gymnastics. So from the age of about 12 to 19. Okay. So did acrobatic gymnastics, did kind of British championships, a few international competitions, and then stopped to go to uni. Yeah. And then, yeah, tried different sports in between kind of for the next kind of four or five years and then found kickboxing at age 25. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that just took over. So until... Yeah, for about seven years. Um, and yeah, I just got, as I do, I got really into it and ended up at the World Championships. Got my title, which is really yeah. cool. Uh, then got my black belt. Uh, and then kind of lockdown hit. And that was a good time for me to kind of step back from that. But it was a awesome kind of seven years. And That's yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, um, pretty impressive. Yeah, it's um, cool. It's, uh, yeah, it's good history. And now in terms of coaching, um, so what what sort of obviously I covered that you coach overweight and obese um other people as well yes so I've been a coach for a long time 15 years um but yes I've gen pop is kind of mm-hmm. who I kind of that's my the uh, core of my client base yeah um most of them wanting weight loss and then more yep. recently I've been working with more kind of yeah, severely overweight kind of individuals. Okay. Um, and that's the bit I'm like really getting into at the moment, really enjoying kind of taking people on that journey from, as I said, very overweight to a healthy weight, so. Sure, um, and on on that, um, one of the other topics we're gonna be covering today is um, Lizzie and I both have had eating disorders, maybe still have, um, that's a question I got asked on uh, my Instagram, so I'll go into that from my side anyway. Um, and, but eating disorders, I think, um, this is something we'll go into can affect both sides so obviously lizzie said she comes from a gymnastic background um so obviously wasn't isn't overweight um i from uh fitness modeling background uh definitely wasn't overweight um but then weight would fluctuate because i just couldn't control my eating patterns around that so i guess if we start i think majority of people are quite interested to hear from what i understand about our history in terms of that so if we go into, if we start, if you have to start with your history of disordered eating, whether you had body dysmorphia or any uh, anything else. Sure. So from the start, mm-hmm. I guess, again, my understanding of it now has changed. But mm-hmm. at the time, I would have just said I had kind of, I had bulimia yeah. when I was like throughout my kind of gymnastics career. That wasn't necessarily just from the gymnastics. I think mm-hmm. I would have, I was prone to it anyway. Yeah. Um, again, I we'll talk about that later kind of the the reasons behind all of that but mm-hmm. if i just go to the sport itself and gymnastics um, I, it was really funny in um so about five six years ago someone who i used to train with did as part of a uni study 
asked all of all of us kind of can you be honest could you just say like did you have any issues with eating mm. and she came back and said everybody had had come back and said yes wow so did she ask guys as well no so it, no was, that was that was, was just girls yeah right. but i mean it wasn't a surprise to me but no. ev all of us and at the time you don't realize because you're all doing it but yeah. when now looking back we all had different issues mine obviously more obvious because i was making myself sick with bulimia but yeah. everyone was starving themselves or had yeah binge patterns anorexic um and yeah it's sadly it's kind of part of the sport would, would you say it comes from the top in terms of um it's weird i'm actually doing this out of genuine interest as yeah, well as, yeah. as well as the podcast would you say it comes from the the top in terms of the coaches are saying to you you need to be smaller um whether that's muscle less body fat is it is it from there or is it it's sort of almost intrinsic yeah intrinsic uh, feeling it's, that's really interesting so i think because of sport because of your age yeah. like you know your again girls start from three or four years old so mm. it's all they've ever known and they're you're very much controlled by a coach yeah and you're wanting to succeed in the sport and especially because mm. we were the top level of the sport like that's that's what drives you and whatever you're is asked of you 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 want to do because yeah. again to be a really high level athlete you kind of have that mindset mm -hmm. um they're not telling you okay go have an eating disorder but you're of obviously course. um your aesthetic is a big part of it Right. Um, you're you're weighed, so that's a big part of yeah. of the sport. And for me, it was I was always slightly heavier, so yeah. it was just I we you know our weights would be read out in front of each other, you know. I know, wow. nice. <laughs> you know, and it was like that's not good enough. You've come back after Christmas, like you know, it was a negative thing. Yeah. And then again, you're wanting to do well at the sport. You're wanting to impress your coaches. They're telling you you're too heavy you're not at that time i think it's changed a lot but this is a while ago yeah <laughs> um you just want to do whatever to to get that praise and do well so i was like well i just won't eat then and then it became started that pattern of wednesday was weighing day oh god i'd be anxious through the day wouldn't yeah. eat and then that just you know from there kind of springs a lot of other patterns it just gets worse and worse because obviously you're starving you're training four hours a session mm so yeah it then it leads to it's basically yeah. a perfect environment to create kind of disordered eating yeah um and i think we were talking about this earlier like diet coke you can still see i've got a pepsi max now um <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not sponsored but <laughs> um but yeah there was a girl and all her teeth were black inside because she just used to she lived off diet coke wow and you're trying to make yourself full and you're trying to you know you're just doing whatever you can without mm. any you weren't given structure of how to lose weight you were just told lose weight i think the bit of advice i was given once was just drink loads of water so you're full and you'll be fine amazing yeah that's healthy yeah really healthy that's good. um but yeah it's it, again the sport has changed a lot now i think there's yeah. more science behind it and i'm sure the coaching methods are a lot better and actually the gymnasts now they are more muscular more powerful but at that time it was mm. more about being small and slim and i was quite heavy because i'm quite naturally quite mus muscular so my weight was i was always too heavy yeah that's um yeah. That, that's quite interesting and then as obviously then you moved into kickboxing well actually let's let's take a step back um and this can this can be edited out if you're not comfortable talking about it um you told me before how it affected you hormonally are you happy to talk about that yeah yeah yeah, yeah so if you go well okay there. yes well again 
really common in gymnastics. Mm. So I think you're, you're referring to, so I, I didn't start my metro cycle till I mm. was at uni. Yeah. So I was like 19 and I looked like a 12 year old. <laughs> that is, yeah. And is that I, uh, that's the, you know, I, yeah. it was just the amount of training, my body fat was low and I just mm. didn't have, I wasn't giving my body enough energy to even start that process. Yeah, because that, that for me, when you told me that was like, because a lot of people, uh, as we've covered, not obesity in itself, but obese people often have disordered patterns of eating. So I think until you hear something quite like a shocking stat, or I mean, obviously the, the bulimia physically making yourself sick is, is very shocking. But then when you hear that you didn't get your menstrual cycle until you're 19, I, I remember when you told me that, I was like, wow, that's, that's quite shocking. Mm. Um, so that really, really hits at home. So I think, um, yeah, that's just why I wanted to go into that. And then moving forward, um, obviously at a slightly older age now, um, how- In my prime, you mean? In, in, your, in your absolute <laughs> prime, how do you, do you still feel, one of the questions I got asked is, um, do you still have eating disorders? Yeah. Um, and I guess it was on my Instagram, but I guess for both of us, how do you feel you've recovered? Do you think it's an ongoing process or do you think you're well past that and can just live forever happy sort of thing? So as I kind of touched on before, I think now I've done a lot of looking into it, a lot of research, like study my own kind of therapy around the topic. Mm. I understand much. I understand my own patterns a lot more. So yep. mine always stem from, yes, I was put in an environment where weight was, you know, that was made a, that was part of doing well in your sport. So I mm. wanted to do that. But actually I think the driver for me and that link with food, it was just for me a way of regulating my feelings. So. Yep. Again, we won't go into the <laughs> we won't go into traumas and things like this. But like, I, there was a lot of I grew up in a in a household with a lot of a stress, anxiety. I was always mm -hmm. in that kind of survival mode, and that I used to comfort myself with eating through food. Yeah. But then at the same time, I was doing a sport where I was trying to I was not supposed to be eating a lot of food. Yeah. Hence, hence, kind of making myself sick, and then kind of going forward and like to now, I know that I have to make sure I, I've learned much more healthier coping mechanisms of how to kind of um, regulate my emotions. If I get stressed, if I get anxious, I choose much healthier patterns rather than using food as a way of doing that. Mm -hmm. um, can't remember what the original question was, but- Do, do you <laughs> think do you I, still I, have them? So I would say I can have disordered eating if, if, if I didn't stay on top of my emotions, I think mm -hmm. that would be my habit would be to go to that. Yeah. Um, but no, I don't make myself sick anymore. I'm not over restricting. I have an awareness of kind of my patterns and it's just about me. You know, sometimes I need to keep myself in check, but I regulate myself a lot better. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't class myself as having an eating disorder. Yeah, um, makes sense. But yeah, if I don't like practice self care and look after all those things, that would probably be where naturally I would go. Okay, that's, um, that's good. And then in terms of how do you think that that sort of, obviously you said it came out of emotion, how do you think that drove you? Because as we covered, your your sporting background is um, pretty amazing to be honest. And knowing you personally, I know that you like to drive yourself to the nth degree, like always have to be the best at everything you do. How do you think those two are linked? So again, yeah, that is a part of the kind of, that was a coping strategy, so. Mm. Again, if we go into the deeper into deeper layers into it, I suppose it was trying to prove myself, trying to, I guess, fuel some of that 
being in that fight or flight state the whole time that was mm. a good outlet for it so yeah. training was a great great out outlet for it but then going to the extreme so yeah. pushing as hard as i can i guess was a way of using some of that kind of emotion and, and channeling it but also i think it was a need to do it okay. uh again just coming from i guess deeper feelings of not being good enough maybe at home or at school or wherever it was but i could be the best at this okay. um and yeah, that hasn't gone. So <laughs> I, yeah. I still am quite hard on myself. Like, again, I work on it. I've had that. I was. I've had that black or white thinking, and it's either you're amazing or you're crap. And I know yeah. that's not true, but yeah. that's my default. Yeah. So I have to work really hard to like remind myself, and sure. I do that. That's not the truth. But the positive of it is, I suppose, it has meant I've been a high achiever. Like, if I look at my school, uni, like I've always, I've come out at the you know in the top, which yeah. is at the sacrifice of other things, but yeah. there is positives to come out of it, I suppose. Massively. Um, you said before about fight or flight, and it's something I've never actually asked you, and just thought of it now, which is, do you think you chose a fighting sport after gymnastics because of that? Yeah, see, I've, again, it's, it's amazing. You don't think of these things at the time, and now because I've had, as I said, I've explored all of this in a lot more detail, I don't think it's any surprise. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it, yeah, you think, oh, I just stumbled upon this, upon this. But, mm. uh, yeah, it it suited everything about me at that time. So I had a lot of, I guess, anger inside me, yeah. emotions I'd never processed. You know, just pushed them down. Kicking <laughs> someone's head yeah. off would be the answer to it. Yeah, and hey, it worked. I did yeah. very well. But um, also, obviously, it from a like the sporting side of it and like my skill set i guess i had the flexibility strength yeah. and i guess that drive um but there was that i think i wouldn't have been as good as it if i didn't have you know those emotions kind of driving me nice. and then you look if you think of someone like the best fighters often they come from nothing and yeah. i think they come from countries or places where that is the you know is they have hard lives yeah and yeah, I, again i don't think that's any surprise that they do really well no. you know you've got to have something driving you to that extent yeah um and there's like there was a study recently i think of it was like looking at olympians and the the medalists i think i can't remember the numbers but they compared like the people who had meddled to who hadn't and everyone who had meddled had type, some type of trauma or traumatic really? event in their past that's quite interesting yeah and i don't think that's a surprise i i think it's, it's that's an odd one just purely because growing up my main sport was rugby and thinking about that and okay, yeah, you don't know what's going on in someone's at, at home um, in the same way, I guess. I mean, you went to private school, I went to private school, like in terms of, I can obviously can only speak for myself, but it makes sense that you didn't grow up financially stricken sort of thing. So I, I certainly didn't. Um, but so you, you don't know what's going on in someone's home life. But if you look at rugby, actually, the majority of them did go to private school there. They are wealthy so that sort of coming from that harsh background yes as i said you don't know what's going on at home but they're not growing up in poverty they're not growing up looking for their next meal so it's interesting to compare the olympians to a sport which is predominantly private school um dominated yeah uh, that's just quite interesting i guess it moves i suppose me onto my onto, onto me my disordered eating <laughs> Yeah, back to me. Um, back to me on my <laughs> podcast. <about> <laughs> um, yeah, so rugby, rugby background. I wouldn't say I had any, or that I knew of any issues there. I was very conscious of my body, um, and then got to sixth form, and my coach, who 
Um, he honestly is one of the best humans I've ever met. He's sadly passed. Um, he he would often call me lazy, um, and but it was uh, it was a um, it was a driver. I knew why he was doing it. It was to, it was to push me harder. Um, and then I think after after rugby finished, eighteen, I started. Oh, I went to uni and put on a fair chunk of weight. Um, and my friends were absolutely ripping me um, because I was pretty damn big. And um, I remember very clearly the boys in my house went for like, I think it was five miles off the top of my head, uh, run, and I went with them and I came back after one mile and I came back after them. And I was like, oh my God, what have I become? And that for me then sort of triggered this, right, I need to get in shape. And then I just did everything. I didn't know what I was doing. I remember dropping all carbs for ages. I felt like crap. And then I would binge on them because on the on the one day I could have them, I would then be like, oh my God, I'm going to have all the carbs I can have because it's one day, it doesn't matter. And I would literally just go through this sort of restrict binge, restrict binge. Um, and would always then look at myself, like continuously lifting up my top in the mirror. Um, but it wasn't, even when even when I got to like ridiculously low body fat, it was never, people would look at it as arrogance. And it was never that. It was, I would have a meal and I'd be scared my abs would disappear. I would just like, I'd walk 10 paces and think my abs had disappeared. It was horrendous. What did you attach to that meaning though? So like, what did you, what were you fearing? Um, so what did, ha what, what, what did having abs mean? Um, if I'm honest, I don't know. Um, I always felt that other people, I felt like other people could get in shape easier than I could. And I remember feeling that. Um, and it was a case of I, I need to be better, better than them. Um, so therefore I'm just gonna go to more and more extremes. Um, what did Is having abs mean? I, that's a very good question, I don't know. Validation. Validation, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I suppose because then when people would say to me, like, oh, or, or say like, oh, Saul's ripped or whatever, that was like a real big driver for me. Um, then, uh, yeah, then I got into the fitness modeling stuff. Um, and the first show I did, I, I prepped myself, which I literally had no idea. Um, there's a very different, big difference between coaching and prepping someone for bodybuilding, fitness modeling. I'm gonna call it bodybuilding for the um, purpose of covering a lot of different areas. Um, so yeah, for bodybuilding is very, very different. Prep myself, didn't do particularly well. Um, and I was like, right, I need to come back better. So I hired a coach, did, um, did much, much better this time. But you're putting yourself into a sport. So, uh, we just covered that. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> in my opinion, it's not really a sport. You'll um, offend many people saying that. Yeah, I'll offend many yeah. people, but the people who think it's a sport <laughs> aren't listening to this podcast. Um, so um, yeah, I got into this, this world where you are purely judged on your aesthetic. There is nothing else to it um, and your posing ability, but it's how muscular you are, how lean you are, how you can present your physique. And I just remember it just like, it just, yeah, it just it just didn't suit me. And then I'd always be looking for, at uh, the end of the show, I can eat X, Y, and Z. And I just like, I remember my flat just being like covered in cereals and chocolates and ice creams and all this stuff for when I finished post-show. and. Um, I remember they, I, I came off stage, I'd, I'd done my bit and I got the first call out, which m typically means you're gonna be in the top three. I ended up coming sixth, I think it was, and like, it just broke me. And I was like, right, I need to just come, come back bigger and stronger. But I said to you the other day, 
that stepped off stage and I was a smoker at the time. And the, the head of this federation said to me, oh, you know, smoking is really unhealthy. And <laughs> I, was, I was taking not a, a ton of steroids, but I was taking oral steroids um, to help myself drop body fat, thing called clenbuterol, which is um, for asthma in horses. It's um, really, really horrendous. And for anyone listening to this, um, I'm very open in that I've done a lot of class A drugs over my life. Um, if you think clenbuterol is the answer to dropping body fat, you are very, very wrong. Please, please do not do it. It is way worse than any class A you've ever taken. It's horrendous. Um, I've heard some horrendous stories yeah, about it. It's really, really yeah. terrible. Um, so please, please don't do that as an answer to dropping body fat. Um, so anyway, so uh, yeah, so she said to me, uh, oh, yeah, smoking's bad for you. And I thought, I've just been on stage comparing myself to 50 other guys who have like 5% body fat most of us are taking drugs to get there. Um, we're, we've all got, some, well, not all, that's not fair, but majority of us probably have some disordered pattern of eating. And then backstage, and I, I said to you the other day, I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but they have cakes and biscuits, and uh, I think there was quite a lot of alcohol and stuff, and all these things that you've restricted for so long that you go there and you binge on them afterwards. And then that process of like, oh my God, I've got a little bit fatter than I was on stage. How do I get back there? I'll go back on stage and give them money to stand on stage again. And I, d I don't know if they do it on purpose. I don't want to call anybody out because that's not fair if they don't to accuse someone of such a thing. If they do, it's pretty terrible. Um, and if they don't, I just think it's very naive. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's where I got to with that. And then it was only uh, two years ago why, where I'd always said, I've got eating disorders, but it was just something I sort of laughed off, um, which I know is not that funny, uh. <laughs> really. Um, but then one of my clients who was like Captain Rugby at my school, um, I call him like a human gruffalo. He literally is like big, big lad, beard, very hairy, very strong, like really like you're the person you would, in my head, would least associate with eating disorders. Um, and he... Uh, and, and yeah, he said to me, I, I suffer with bulimia. And I was giving him coaching and I thought, I'm a liar. I'm just a complete fraud because I don't tell people this. Only like five people knew this. So that's when I addressed it um, very publicly on Instagram. And um, yeah, went, went from there. And to go back to the original point of, do I still have them? No, I think like you, I know my, well, no and yes. I, the way I look at it is like alcoholics and recovery in that you're, I think they always say you're, you're always in recovery from alcoholism. And I think that's where I'll be, which is, it's always there, but I'm, I cope very well with it now. It doesn't show its head too often. And when it does, I can sort of rope it back in. Mm. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's, I guess, my background. Uh, but I think that's really interesting comparing it to uh, like alcoholics, because yeah. for me, again, this, not everybody, but for the majority, I would say the majority it's comes from, stems from the same place. Yeah. So for them, it's come out with they're treating, you know, whatever they've got in their background or whatever the emotional driver is making them kind of numb that out with alcohol. Mm. Like it can be the same with people with disordered disordered eating. It just they numb it out with food. Yeah. Or they're trying to, you know, for me, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll prove I'm good enough or I'll make myself feel better by achieving this, this, and this. Yeah to me that then that had a link to the kind of food side of things because I needed to do that to get there. Mm -hmm. um, but ag again, I think if you've had that, whatever's caused you to do that in the first place, 
I think that's what you've always got to stay on top of yeah. so that you don't then treat it again with kind of the coping mechanisms that you've learned it to do. Yeah. Um, which for you, obviously, you know, maybe at a time it was drugs, maybe at a time it was your uh, bodybuilding, mm. and then other times it would would have been food. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's, like you said, it never, it never goes, it's part of you, it's just how you deal with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think similar to you in that I then, okay, yes, sadly, I have not won a world championship. I'm not an international athlete. <laughs> um, but it, it's a driver in that, why do I want to be ridiculously strong? It's just another avenue for me to channel my emotion into. Mm. Um, yes, I love the gym just for being in the gym, but the, the idea of getting to that next stage in, for me, strongman now, it, 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 is, it is a way of channeling what I need to do and I need to I need to push myself to extremes to feel good about myself and I guess there's still still some level of validation um, and when um, I I came second a couple of weeks ago it broke me because I was just like I need to like I need to win I need to win yeah. to prove myself and realistically no one cares I'm, I'm like at the bottom of the ladder in strongman it's not like I'm ever gonna compete on the world stage so it really it really doesn't matter but for me it does I think it's there's a difference right so I think everyone who does the any anything competitive obviously you want to win and there mm. is some there must be some level of validation that you associate with winning like it's proving that you've worked the hardest or that you are the best you and there's a, there's a need for that you say that but I've come across people in strongman which I find for me I'm, I'm with you all the way there are guys there and I genuinely believe them they say to, they say like oh yeah as long as I come out with a PR, I'm happy. Like uh, uh, a, person, a personal best, let's say. Personal best, I'm happy. And I think that would never, that, intrin that, intrin that intrinsically isn't enough for me because I could get a PR and come last and I would be unhappy, which is insane. So I think, this. Uh, I was gonna link this to, I, I actually had this conversation with my sister yesterday. So mm. I think if the, I don't think there's a problem if you need to have, okay, maybe for someone it's a PB, maybe for someone it's a medal, mm. and needing a little bit of validation, as long as you genuinely enjoy the sport for the sport, um, yes, for everything else it gives you. Yeah, I do, absolutely. Whereas my, so my sister was an amazing gymnast. She was, mm. I think she was, she went to Europeans for, or was training, should have got to Europeans, was comp um, that competitive level for her acrobatics. And she, had never let anyone film any of her performances. Wow. She, I say anyone, it'll be my mum yeah, at the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> um, she doesn't have any pictures now to look back at. You know, she doesn't, she didn't let herself enjoy it at all. Mm. And like, I can tell you now, if I showed anyone, you would be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Mm. But she couldn't let herself enjoy it because she was so hell bent at having to be the best and having to win. And if it wasn't perfect, if it wasn't there, then it wasn't, it was shit. Yeah. And like, obviously she's learned from that now and she can, in, you know, she's changed a lot, but she's sad that she never, she couldn't, she didn't enjoy it. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And that's the difference is it's as true. long as you can try and enjoy the, the process at the same time, which actually this will link very nicely back to her, what we say to our clients, but yeah. um, you've got to, because otherwise it's like, that was years of her life where she sacrificed so much and she, to her now, she's like, I have no nothing to show for it almost. Yeah, and it's, it's, very, it's very, it's very interest, interesting. You do, yeah, I would say, yeah, you do have to enjoy, enjoy it, absolutely. 
Um, I think you have yeah, to, 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 for it to be a healthy outlet, let's say, yeah. whatever that means, but a healthier, um, mm. I think there needs, you have to be, try and enjoy it as well as having that drive to win. Yeah. I think the, when it becomes unhealthy is if it's literally everything, like your value, everything comes on that outcome. Mm. And it's so black and white, like with my sister, she didn't enjoy the, the training and the actual, you know, the fact that she was in amazing shape, could do incredible stuff, mm. was so really fit and healthy from like just the training side of it. Like not, all of that just was ignored and it was just, I have to win. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely not a particularly healthy outlook no. at all. Um, but then you said there about going uh, about what we say to our clients. So if you're happy to move on yeah, yeah, to yeah. that. Um, so ex explain what you mean by that and then we'll go into the sort of coaching so process. So I, if I'm taking someone who's really overweight, say, mm -hmm. so again, for me, it's really dangerous, not dangerous is too strong a word, but I don't think you get success with those types of people if you, all, you're, all you're focusing on and all they're focused on is, I have to be this weight, I wanna be this size, yeah. I wanna look like this. Mm -hmm. The people I, I see have more success and who I work with and are more successful with are, I can highlight to them the value in the journey to that to that end point so how much better they feel for suddenly you know changing their eating habits for moving for sleeping mm -hmm. better and ha actually if they can focus on those things eventually they get that you know to their end point and they can feel amazing that they've dropped to a size 10 or whatever it is that the they're for personally for them is their end goal but it's i don't like it when they're just that's all they're focused on and it's just that weight that figure and yeah. they're missing all the, the cool stuff they're getting on the way there. Absolutely. And I think that is how you keep someone on track and how you, when they lose the weight, you stay, they stay there because you've changed their lifestyle and appreciation for everything it brings, living sure. a healthy way and therefore being a healthy weight. So in that, in the initial stages, let's say the first, first month, what differs if you were coaching, okay, I am a coach, but someone who stays in shape and just okay i just want to get a little bit better um versus versus someone hit i'm going to use the word obese whether i know that's a technically a clinical term but it just saves me saying overweight and obese yeah, every yeah. single time let's call it severely obese. overweight severely overweight yeah. let's call it that then um yeah what what would differ between that and a non-overweight gen pop client in your first month of coaching them. in the first month mm. again i think it is very client dependent so i don't yeah. have this like i work with the person in front of me yeah. and it everyone is very different and mm -hmm. has again if we're just talking through what you know what could be behind all these things mm. sometimes you get more of that a picture of that straight away sometimes it takes longer to come out so it's it does depend but i'd say to get to that state where you're severely overweight there are normally a few kind of small things that you could change that will have a huge impact. So for example, if they're not moving at all, yeah. you know, if they're, you know, if alcohol is a huge problem, if they only eat kind of takeaways, mm. just making small changes, just to one of those things, when you're that overweight can have a massive impact. Yeah. So I would start with like the big rocks, yeah. address those first, that will have the biggest impact. Mm. Um, whereas I probably wouldn't have to do that with someone who's, you know, if you're just tidying up someone's body composition, it's it's, it's very different. Very different because they're not yeah. going to be drinking, you know, five pints a night or living off takeaways. No, I'm making big, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are stereotypical. Like <laughs> but no, you know, I'm saying it's yeah. it's yeah. So it, and it's 
it's behavior cha- it's lifestyle and behavior change when someone's severely overweight mm. it's not a quick fix and no. again it's a it's a marathon not a sprint all those all those lovely expressions but it, it really is like yeah and so I, I think for me I make the point of that when we start working together that this is not a you're not going to have a six-week transformation or a 12-week transformation this yeah. is probably years of work yeah but you know if it's taken 30 or 40 years to get to the state two to three years if you could be your you know ideal weight it's not actually a bad trade-off yeah in Absolutely. terms of time and it it means that you will stay there rather than again a lot of the people i see have been yo-yo dieters their whole life probably always been overweight but there's been you know a few extra stone or a few less stone completely i think um one one two things you said there that i picked up on um and i w- w- want to go into was one of the ones was about yo-yo dieting and i think one of the biggest mistakes for me that i see with overweight clients is they try to take things away rather than add things in. And I'm a big fan of adding things in. So rather than the, the classic one, take away carbs, right? But um, it, it's if you add in more protein, if you add in more steps, if you add in lots of different things that create a healthier lifestyle, rather than trying to take away their crutches, you tend to see uh, a quicker, not necessarily about the speed, but you, you tend to see a, a very positive outcome by adding things in rather than taking away. Um, and the other thing you touched on was about the the quick transformations. And a client of mine said to me the other day that she she was getting feeling disillusioned because you see on my Instagram, I'm completely I wouldn't say guilty because guilt guilty makes it a, a a bad thing, but it can impact people negatively, I suppose. Which is you see, client goes from A to B, and oh, let's all celebrate them how wonderful they look now but you don't see, it's not actually A to B, it's A to Z with loads of letters in the middle where some of them, you lose you lose your track and then you gain it and then you fall back on and off, on and off. And it's like like with our eating disorders that we covered, it's, it's a process. It's not just like, okay, yeah, yeah, just do this diet, do this exercise, do these steps and bingo, you're there. There's a massive process and I think that often gets lost in uh, transformation pictures and stories online, which as I said, I hold my hands up for as well, because at the end of the day, sex sells and we all run businesses and want to make money so that- What type of business are you running? (laughs) (laughs) So that's called the Half Strong Very Pretty Podcast. There we go, we found the answer. But sex sells- I'm not running that type of business, (laughs) that clear. Um, Sex sells, right? So that you're the, the, the amazing, transformations and oh wow look this person's gone from a to b and now they have a six pack and a shredded and all this stuff that's always going to be the big the the big one for uh, well, it's instant, for, for instagram in, that's what people want for, to see for instagram yeah know? and absolutely and we talked about your bio on instagram literally just as we were coming in here about people want to see the words weight loss and yours mm. doesn't have that yours says what do you say Anything's yeah. possible. Well, yeah, so that's what I was talking about is like really my my ethos is mm. you can achieve anything, anything is possible. I, I've never placed those limits on myself and yeah. I've always done things like at an older age or mm. people have been like, oh yeah, just do that for fun. And I'm thinking, no, I wanna, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. And I, I just think that's a mindset thing. And I think that that's the more important thing mm. for people actually people who actually make huge transformations, they change their approach to something quite yeah. dramatically, like lifestyle, 
but that doesn't sound so cool on, you know, if I wrote that on my bio, yeah, people yeah. just want to see, I'm going to lose weight and look amazing. Like yeah. people want this instant gratification mm. where we're talking about something that isn't instant. You've got to work hard. You've got to change behaviors. Yeah. And like you said, that's not sexy to talk about. It's, no. but that's the reality of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's easy to put pictures next to each other of someone who you said, you know, is well-trained already. And they, all they've done is, I don't know, diet for a few weeks, but they've not had to dramatically change their lifestyle. Yeah. It might be just pull their calories a little bit, just rebalance a few things. Yeah. Um, but people will like to see that picture and they're like, boy, they look incredible. Of course. Um, but yeah, it's that, I think that's the society, like everyone now wants everything yeah. instantly. Yeah. Instagram, I guess. Insta Maybe that's probably where it, it comes it's from, I imagine. Yeah. Probably is, And it's yeah. just like, 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 like. Yeah. Whereas something like this, you know, there'll be only be a certain type of person who will take the time to listen to a podcast. Yeah. Whereas pictures, you know, it's you very, can mindlessly kind of look at. Yeah, it's very, very, very easy. Um, in terms of mindset, let's, I think maybe let's go through some of, obviously not, we're not going to name names, but experiences we've had with severely overweight clients in terms of how their mindset might differ from me, you, uh, a non- well, maybe coach's mindset, but probably more um, non-overweight gen pop um, mindset when you're when you're coaching them. Um, for example, often I've found sort of a, a blame culture that things things are other people's fault. Um, and again, yeah, obviously other people do impact you, but it, there there often comes that culture where I don't see it. I don't see the word culture, but that, that idea that I don't really see with non-severely overweight clients, would you say you experience similar? Uh, I don't think you can generalize at that because I think that we're just talking about one, again, that's one outlet, but then mm, of course, yeah, you yeah. could say that's for someone who's alcoholic, they will blame everyone else but themselves. Yeah. Anyone yeah, who yeah. has any unhealthy behavior. Yeah. And again, it could be, yeah, okay, someone who, like me, I would be a, like a robot. If someone gave me a plan, I'd do yeah, it yeah. because I want to do it. Mm. But then if someone questions me on making me change my behavior, I'd probably get defensive and I'd, well, I have got a lot more balance now, but at the time I would have every excuse and blame everyone else. Oh, really? So okay. I just think that's, that's okay. natural for anyone who's doing anything that subconsciously they know is unhealthy. And I think that's, that's you know, yeah. mine comes out, mine came out in a way that was socially praised because wow, she's a high achiever, she's doing well in sport, that's really, like, everyone just mm. praises that. Yeah. Whereas if it comes out and it leads to something like obesity, you're not praised. In society, yeah. people will be like, again, I, I'm not saying I agree with this, but typically people will think, oh, they're lazy, they just eat too much, like, yeah. they're shamed. Yes, very much so. But yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. Yes, yeah. So I think it's easy to think, kind of what you said is like, it's easy for us to look at and see these clients that, Forget. Yes, they will blame everyone else, but mm. I, I guess my point is that I think you could find that with everybody. It's just that's their the thing that they probably feel they need to defend because it's their unhealthy behaviour. Mm. Um, but I think I would also see that with somebody who's in shape. If I said, okay, you need to, you're overtraining. Maybe, I, I, I mm, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think, oh, I think when you push things i suppose yeah you're right in in that it's the extremes i think it, in shape and healthy uh a healthy relationship with it i probably wouldn't see that but i guess going back to 
where we came from and, and when we went to our extremes yeah probably um i guess you would you would see that um but, but I, I i know what you're saying in that it is it, because it, that we we are asking them to make a big change mm. yes then they will then blame a lot of other people yeah but i think my point was it, it doesn't matter what weight they are i think anybody who has to make a big change typically to stop before they're ready to do it they like to blame everyone else and i think it only really change only really happens when you accept that you okay actually hands up i need to do some work on myself that i 100 percent agree with yeah um it's the same um I, as i always said I, I used to smoke and i remember everyone around me saying so we've got to give up smoking so we give up smoking and i was like yeah yeah i'm going to i'm going to and i try and i try and i try and i never did it and then there was just one day where i was just like this is horrendous and then as soon as you take responsibility and, and you want to do it then that's and that's it then and you i just haven't smoke sense so i think that is when you t when you are ready to change for yourself that's that's when it's likely to happen and i think a lot of the research shows so most people don't change like change is really difficult yeah so behavioral change it normally happens when you reach a rock bottom or mm. like the end of the road so you're forced to yeah um or i think actually if you recognize enough of the positive stuff that comes from changing negative stuff doesn't like doesn't isn't enough to make people change yeah. so i think it's like 80 percent of people in hospital is because of their lifestyle choices and behaviors That's so yeah. and then like i think after oh, i was talking to someone at work about this like coronary heart surgery if they've had heart attacks they've had to have surgery on their heart mm. okay right you nearly died but if you you know you've got to now live this way within a year over 80 percent of change back to the original behaviors so they're literally know what they're doing is going to make them die but that's and that, that do doesn't it. motivate them to change yeah whereas if we show people positive things mm. and they actually oh my god i feel better yeah that is the thing that makes people I change what you've just said there about po positive um things when we um obviously most of you listening won't know this uh, lizzie and i went to a seminar lecture whatever you want to call it and the one of the women teaching there was talking about eating disorders and saying about um, positive self-talk being a massive thing and um, they, it's a bit weird they made us put on these um, blindfolds oh, yeah. um, and but they play like nice music and then sort of I thought we call that angry like rock and roll stuff and um, it's basically like calming music and yeah uh, music to stimulate you yeah and the difference at least I felt anyway with that blindfold on where your other sense is taken away it was quite intense and I think a lot of from going into you know, when I used to look in the mirror, I even still look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I'm not happy with this, I'm not happy with that, I'm not happy with this. Rather than being like, hold on a sec, look what I've achieved, look what I've done here, I'm happy with this, I really like this. There was a podcast I listened to where they said about standing in the mirror naked for five minutes and at first how hard that is to do and how you just criticise everything and over time that just starts changing and you become more and more positive and they were saying that's a massive... Um, they showed massive markers in improvements in eating disorders and body dysmorphia and disordered patterns of eating. And I think there, what you said about showing someone what positive aspects losing weight and becoming healthier can do, rather than just focusing purely on, okay, you almost died, or you've got to get diabetes, or you've got diabetes, all, all those things, it's not very... Um, that makes them cling on to their coping mechanisms because yes. it makes them feel shit and their coping yeah. mechanism is food. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you've yeah. got to give them something to move away from that and something mm. to to want to 
to want to change. Yeah. And it was the same with me, like until I kind of tried different ways and tried actually, like I this year tried meditating, which I never thought, sorry, last oh, year. Can't do it. No, I never <laughs> thought I would do. I used yeah. to be the person who'd be like, thought that was like hippie, weird, whatever, mm. what are people doing? But actually again, because I realize what it is now and yeah. actually it makes me feel better, I'll actually do it. I don't do it. I don't do it in that way. That, you know, do I don't it. sit there. I, to me, any, meditation is anything that brings you, yeah. like calms you down. Like so, it, for some people, like we did in that uh, seminar, it was it could be music with a blindfold, and you're just chilling out for a couple of minutes. For me, it's kind of walking, with a podcast, or mm. just like sitting and listening to something, but actually, being in that moment and not like racing around. We both we both laugh at with probably. You know, ADHD. So <laughs> that's that's really interesting because um, my my therapist he tried to get me to meditate in a sort of classical sense: sit back, close your eyes, take some deep breaths, focus on X, Y, and Z. And the whole time, my brain's just being like, "Fuck this!" Yeah. And at the end, I was like, "Listen, mate, like I really respect you, but I, I <laughs> don't <laughs> please yeah. not again." And he, he he always gives me homework to go away with, and I always do it. And that one was the only one I was like, "I'm just not doing." I just being alone. And just sitting there and trying to be calm makes me not to be calm. What you said about listening to a podcast, I can walk and listen to a podcast. I can train. I can do. Um, if anyone has seen me train on my Instagram, I tend to listen to like really soft, weird music like Celine Dion. Um, <laughs> massive fan. Celine, if you're okay. listening. <laughs> um, I think that's a whole other podcast we need to yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that that's me being calm. The idea of sitting there and sort of breathing and no it's, I can't do it yeah but. Uh, but I get I think the thing that we avoid the most is probably the thing that we need to do 100% which is that's why that's my I, point yeah. yeah and so I <laughs> knew that about myself and obviously I, I've tried and followed these apps and I've, I do the breathing techniques and I definitely feel mm. that they work yeah but for me again like exploring what meditation is and what it's supposed to do mm. I realized how much so like for kickboxing and again <laughs> that sounds weird in that you're fighting but the training so when you're you're having to be in that moment you're having to concentrate you know it's like okay my this arm's here this leg's there that pattern I cannot be anywhere else yeah especially when someone's trying to hit or kick kick you like you have to be in that moment yeah and it's that being present mm. um and I just recently I just started doing BJJ yeah. and again I feel I forgot how much of a positive impact it has because for that hour I have to be I'm learning a new skill I'm having to concentrate on what my body's doing mm. and I can't be thinking about or oh, what else have I got to do today or, or worrying about you know work whatever I'm in that moment and being present which I think for me that's kind of a big part of what meditation is supposed to do is just bring you back to yourself and not wherever it might be I don't know Funnily enough, that's that's why I listen to calm music when I yeah. train, because it is it's just like I can sort of it's it's there, but I can sort of drown that out. And when you're focusing on lifting something that's essentially pretty dangerous, like big old stones or logs or big deadlifts, like they're not they go wrong, you're in big trouble, right? So it's yeah, it it just calms me like that, just yeah. brings you brings you back to that, and you don't really think about anything else that's going on. It's just you and what you're lifting um so yeah that i guess that's my that is is my meditation but you're right what the thing we probably need more of we yep. both both avoid um which is which is interesting with the um going back to the positive 
self-talk thing obviously as you said everyone's an individual but um addressing this as a general podcast mm. how would you what approach would you take often with clients to try and get them to do that because like like we just covered we will actively avoid the thing we both have just said we know is probably the thing we need to do so hey i'm doing it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you said you're listening to podcasts as I your me- meditation. I'm meditating my five minutes a day. Okay, fine. I, I, I I'm avoid. joking. Yeah, I yeah. do. I need to do it more. It's a, I'm um, a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you try and get them to start implementing the thing they need to do? Yeah. The positive, adding yeah. in the positive things. Yeah. So actually, I thought this, when you spoke about you get people to add, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's a big thing is just changing, again, typically, if you've, you know, got to being heavily overweight you've probably tried lots of diets Mm -hmm. been a yo-yo dieter got quite a negative association with the whole process so i think the first thing is just trying to uh, a lot of the individuals i work with kind of as soon as we talk about the diet side of things it's like they feel oh i'm going to be restricted denied this it's it's the negative thing yeah so just getting them to reframe that and think actually I'm doing this thing because it's going to get me that positive thing I want. So I'm I'm going to uh, hit this amount of steps because it's going to help me lose my first stone. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to do my 10,000 steps because actually I realize it makes me feel much calmer and much better afterwards. Or I sleep much better. And yeah. just making those positive connections to what it brings mm. rather than thinking, oh, I'm on a diet, I'm being denied all this stuff. Yeah, Actually, you're being given an opportunity to, to get help and feel good and i think just even just highlighting that to them and picking out as, as soon as they say anything positive about a feeling i kind of jump onto that i'm like excellent okay that is what you felt because you did this mm-hmm. now let's do that again and just reinforcing that link yeah and it is just kind of reprogramming um but again that's not instant it takes a while and then with because obviously they're going to have negative like you said negative thoughts of diet and things like that when it comes to obviously you coach more in person than I do I still do a bit but not entirely typically they're going to have in my experience um, a whether you call it a fear discomfort when walking into a gym Mm. it's not their natural habitat yeah Um, so how do you go around addressing that again general rule Uh, yeah so it's difficult so it's more difficult with the ones I work on online because I'm not with them of course Um, but the benefit of that is I do a lot of obviously over face to face you can really delve into this mindset stuff mm. and that's a, in a very private environment so yeah. that's a really good setup for the get them to open up and really delve into some of the maybe difficult conversations yeah but I suppose the downside is they're then going into a gym on their own for the first time mm. but it might be that they start at home if depending on the person yeah build a bit of confidence and then go yeah when I'm working with people one-to-one I think Again, where I work, I'm lucky that it's not a busy gym. Um, Again, I guess I've got a space I can take them to the side and just kind of talk to them first. And then I'm with them the whole way. So getting them distracted by what they're doing and obviously just continue talking Mm. the whole way through is, I think that's a nice introduction, I guess, into what can be a very scary environment. But I've had clients like Heather won't mind me talking about her to start with, I think she was terrified. Every machine, she's like, I'm going to die. She looked at it, she's like, what the hell is that? I'm going to fall off. No, I can't do that. And it just takes doing it. Absolutely. You know, we know about anxiety. If yeah. you've 
whatever makes your actions if you do it the anxiety disappears if you avoid it the anxiety builds and builds so yeah. it's just guiding them and helping them and realizing as soon as they realize they can do it they're okay no one gives a shit about what they're doing anyway they're they're focusing on their own workouts they're fine i think that's a massive point no one um no one cares sorry gives a shit no 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 um this this podcast is a no swearing podcast thank you um no 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 one gives a shit about what you're doing and i remember when i did work more one-to-one with people in busier gyms now i only work in studios but they um i I was get them to face me and i'd say what's the person literally behind you wearing and they'd be like i don't know and i'm is it is it male or female they've been standing there for five minutes no idea and you go well you haven't even noticed if it's a man or a woman next to you chances are they're probably not thinking about what you're doing in a in a gym just for people listening to this unless you're doing something like lizzie where she hangs upside down with one hand <laughs> of course people are going to look at you because it's because <laughs> it's mental um or you're doing a, a massive massive lift or you're drawing attention to yourself it's making a ton, of, yeah, a ton of noise <laughs> yeah. in that case that's your fault but outside of that, no one gives a shit. No. Like no one cares because majority of people in gyms are probably pretty conscious of themselves and probably looking at themselves only and not elsewhere. So um, if, you, if you are going to that, and what you'll find is the more trained someone is, in my experience, they tend to be a lot nicer and the less trained you are, they tend to be nicer. I remember walking into, there was a big bodybuilding gym um, when I was 15 and obviously didn't have much muscle on me being a 15 year old and these massive guys coming over and being like oh do you want, do you want some help do you want me to spot you like being super nice the the bigger i actually get um i wish i was that big but the, <laughs> the bigger i get and the more trained i am the less that actually happens because they want to everyone's been in that position everyone's walked into the gym in the first time the, for their first time so they know what it's like like i know what it's like to walk into the gym the first time being intimidated so to help someone else where you can see they're clearly afraid i just think is just a, a nice thing and people people do that in my experience they don't yeah then no one's going to shame someone for you know not being strong or being overweight like it's just not a thing no like i i literally when if i see anyone in there and, and they're generally just trying i'm like especially with what we do like people are rooting for you like, yeah 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 100%. but i completely understand that because again i've changed quite a lot but i used to be terrified of life and mm. you know going into anywhere and anyone giving me any attention i'd be you know it was one of my worst nightmare now like you said i'm quite happy uh, where did i go in dubai is it banoose the uh body i the, don't know oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah another the one big, yeah, yeah. the big old bodybuilding gym yeah. and the guys laugh at me but i was like look around it's like i'm just kind of crack on hanging off stuff and doing handstands because i'm like i don't care anymore like yeah, yeah. and i think actually the more that the more that as a coach, you're your authentic self mm. and you just show like you're cracking on doing stuff, that puts other people at ease as well. I think that's a big part of what we do is like, I just try, I, I'm honest about my history yeah. of eating disorders. I'm honest about kind of, oh, I felt that way. I've used to do this. And like I said, I'll, I'll train, which some people think is weird what I do, but I enjoy it. So that's what I will, um. that's what I'll crack on and do. And I think that rubs off on other people. And I'm hoping that's what my clients experience when they, you know train with me is that it helps them just kind of calm down and realize okay it's fine i can talk about whatever i can crack mm. on a train and you know the only thing that lizzie wants from me is for me to get to where i want to go yeah no one's judging me that's um an interesting point that 
Um, obviously, like we've just discussed, you're very in shape. You do weird and wonderful things in the gym <laughs> that someone being overweight could be quite intimidated by you, not only just your actual achievements, but your physique um, as well. Do you Have you ever found that's a barrier to someone, oh, well, yeah, it's all right for you, Lizzie, because you're X, Y, and Z, whereas I struggle with, have you found that to be a barrier in your coaching career? Uh, again, maybe previously without me knowing when I was at, like earlier on in my coaching career, probably it did. Mm -hmm. but I didn't know at the time. I, and if probably at the time I would have blamed the person or oh, they didn't stick to this plan. They didn't do what I said. Yeah. Again, because I've got much more understanding now and because I'm more honest about, you know, me, my issues. Like mm -hmm. I'll talk to my clients about the fact that I need to meditate and I'm trying and I'm starting and I've talked about eating disorders and stuff. So I know what you're saying so that they might, no one's ever said to me, but you can't understand because you're not overweight. But mm. then I kind of, you know, once you, as we've just talked about, you realize that, okay, so mine comes out in a different way to yours, but we've, we've suffered with the same things. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's emotions and stress, stress and maybe a dysregulated nerve system, not all the time, but often that is the, the thing behind it. What causes that in the first place is a whole other issue and, you know, maybe therapists and stuff need to be involved. Yeah. But the fact that you're, there's some disordered eating from somewhere, mine came out in, you know, one time I was really, really underweight, one time I was bulimic, and then other times I channeled it into sport. Mm -hmm. They're the same, it just happens to have gone to overeating or stress eating or binge eating, but I've been there in some way and I feel the same things. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. But I agree, if, we, if we're looking at all my Instagram, again, I'm sure if people just flick through, they may not relate to some of the stuff I'm doing yeah. and that might put off people, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But I guess, I think, well, I hope, obviously the more I start to talk about this stuff, doing podcasts like this, yeah. starting my own soon, little plug. Nice, <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, like you see that it's, we're all the same. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, I completely lost, this is good. I completely lost my train of thought then. Um, but going back to, um, uh, I thought of before about you said something about a hook and praise it once they find something they enjoy. Really, yeah. really going on to that, that was something I wanted to cover, which was um, I've got a, a lady, maybe she listens to this, I don't know, um, who we found she's pretty strong um, and she didn't like the classical way I would typically get someone to lose body fat in, in terms of their training. Um, she, I could tell just the buy-in what just wasn't there. We worked out she's pretty strong. Um, and I'm not, a, I do not profess to being a strongman coach. It's very, very different to your normal way of training. Um, but again, we're not looking to take her to the world championships. We're looking to make her have fun, um, get healthier, get stronger. And so we used, we used that as a hook. So now we're training her for a strong woman competition. Feels so weird calling it strong woman. It's strong man. It's just the female <laughs> version. Um, it does feel weird, strong, strong woman. But we're training her for that. Is that something you would ever look at if someone said, "Oh, you know, someone who couldn't doesn't have the flexibility yet to do the things you do," but said, "You know, Lizzie, I'd like to get to that point." Is that something that you fat like you found that you'd then push with a different way of getting to lose weight, which might not be optimal uh, so like a perf yeah performance base or something yeah something something that's going to drive them more than all right so now i'm going to get onto the leg press and then i'm going to yeah. do x y and z and so to me again that's really important mm -hmm. because i think enjoying your training 
you're going to want to stick to it more. You're yep. going to want to turn up to the gym. 100%. Um, and if anyone like again Heather, she knows she knows she's on a she's got a lot of weight to lose. Yeah, she's done really well so far, but she's got probably another twenty kg to go. Say yeah, but she from the start has again she did find me. She saw me on Instagram. She's like, I want to do a pull up. Nice. I'm I love that. I'm like that. Yeah. Let's put that in. So yes, we're not working towards that pull up. Like we're not hanging off a bar yet. But any exercise that is linked to that. Or will d- eventually kind of help with that. I'm like, this is, you know, keep keep thinking about that pull up, getting mm. strong on this kind of lat pull down. That's going to help down the line. Yeah. The lighter you get, that's going to help us get there. And so I, th- I think having s- a skill element or something that you can see progression yeah. with, you know, when you're on a much longer journey, you need these ex- things to motivate you. Yeah. And I guess sp- I suppose it's a little bit of bias because I really enjoy doing that type of skill based. Of course. Uh, activity as well and seeing myself progress but that kind of rubs off on my clients and often they bring it to me anyway so they'll be yeah. like actually Lizzie I've always wanted to do a pull up there's yeah. men who's like I've always wanted to be able to just like whack out a few of those or press ups or whatever it is so yeah. I don't think that's a problem and I, you know you said okay is it as efficient as getting them to their goal as if you were just like these machines are going to keep you stable this is the most sensible thing mm. but if they don't stick to that then it actually takes you longer anyway yeah. so i think there needs to be something that you enjoy within that as long as it's not going to injure you as long as you're safe yeah i think that's really important especially not necessarily okay not if we're looking at someone doing a 12-week transformation no but mm. if we're looking at someone really you know these are kind of one two or three years mm yeah puts you need to enjoy it like so going there something we haven't discussed previously um when obviously talking off off air that sounds weird (laughs) off air um between ourselves is about 12 week transformation let's let's not call it let's not put a number on it 12 but a short 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 term transformation let's say a very overweight client comes to you we've all seen them on instagram where Client X loses 40 kilos in 30 weeks, which is... Miracles. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's, it is possible. You might not be very healthy. Um, you might not enjoy a single moment of your life. But it, is it possible? Yes, right? Um, we've seen it on Instagram, so it, therefore it's real, right? Everything on Instagram doesn't lie. Yeah, everything on Instagram is <laughs> real, come on. Um, so client comes to you and says... They're, they're clearly very overweight obviously they don't need to say that i want to lose i i want one of those transformations what what would your approach be would you a would you take them on and b if you did what's your approach no i wouldn't, wouldn't take them on you wouldn't i don't do that like that's yeah. not how i work with clients yeah i would i lay out kind of reality of mm-hmm. these things and i i suppose if, if i'm saying to them i want them to get to a weight and stay there mm. and that takes like we've said changes in lifestyle education probably addressing some like unhealthy kind of behaviors and links mindset pieces like Mm -hmm. and they've probably again they've come to me having yo-yoed or tried and failed tried Mm -hmm. and failed i don't want to do that again i want to be the pt that they work with to help them get to a healthy weight and stay there and to me that's being a good coach yeah again i'm not this is no disrespect disrespect to coaches who do just want to do that short-term thing mm-hmm. okay let's we'll get you there cool you got your photo off you go like that that's just not how i like to work i would want 
want to get them there so they can stay there they are healthier and then to me i've done my job yeah so i think it's just laying out expectations and talking through the reality of that and what it means and like you said okay you i don't want to say to someone you're this you're not going to enjoy this process it's going to be horrendous yeah you're not going to be healthier by the end but you get a really cool picture so i think um i think you've hit the nail on the head there which is okay yeah i, I do short-term transformations with people but they're not severely overweight typically they're they're people who could lose you know 10 kilos and have abs um so it's not it's not that um with the severely overweight i think i i get a lot of clients i'm not going to say where from but places where they do that where they mm -hmm. they draw them into the ground to get their the transformation the photo which obviously serves a purpose for the company it does serve a purpose for the client because they've asked for that they've they've gone there you haven't you know gone gone there with this expectation of you know it's going to be a lovely lifestyle transformation you go there wanting that and they've given it to you so it's not necessarily a bad thing um, but I do get a lot of clients who have gone there and either have disordered patterns of eating or body dysmorphia or are bigger than when they first started that initial journey yeah. so I think that is really key to lay out expectations of if, if you do this you are going if, if you do that process you are going to end up in exactly the same position if not worse than where you are now so I think laying that on the line and just saying look like the what's the what's the saying you walk a mile into the woods you have to walk a mile out and I think that's very true everything we've discussed so far is about undoing old processes of like you're not severely overweight because you are lazy or you just like McDonald's too much right there's there's reasoning behind it and I think um, as we said break, breaking those things down takes a long long time but I think you said something really key which is if you've been overweight for 40 years two years of your life undoing those processes it's not a bad is, deal yeah it's not a, <laughs> not a, not a bad deal in the slightest so rather than looking at as right 20 weeks put it put the value over because a lot of a lot of the time I've heard people say like oh well about the finance of it needs I have to do it quickly I don't have but realistically if that finance is spread over two years but it lasts you your next 40 and you don't have to do it again you don't have to do it again <laughs> yeah yeah it's not very costly whereas if you do it over 20 weeks and then you have to do it again and again and again those costs build up a lot more I think that's like the one of the downsides of some of the online coaching mm -hmm. industry at the moment like is that you don't know who you're working with and people may just want to take you through that you know the short-term thing off you go don't really care about the person mm -hmm. afterwards whereas that aftercare piece is really important because how many times have we heard people who have done gone it's more so important imagine, yeah so. yeah well got yeah. really lean and then they're that it's like okay off you go like what does that person then do that if they haven't really been taught their habits haven't really changed they don't mm. really learn they're just following what they have to do to get to that picture to get to that result yeah so many times you've heard of people rebounding and you know the binging patterns that they suddenly develop you're looking at him <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but it, you know and to me like that's not the end of the coaching process if you've done that you definitely need to be there with them afterwards yeah um which again obviously that's not how i work anyway but it's it's just making sure that you're 
I think you've got to think a bit bigger than just mm. just that photo or just that result because it it, it there is a, there's so much it's much more complicated than that of course and like how many people have you heard of as well I always think this is bizarre like for their wedding day they'll get in stupid shape again they normally leave it quite late so it's a of quick course. thing the wet shred yeah the wet shred and they get that picture mm. and then the, shock horror they rebound because they go back to what they did before so then they go back to the weight they were before but they've got this picture in their living room that they constantly look at oh look how i used to look really good yeah and it's just like a guilt thing then the whole day looking at them it's yeah absolutely it's, or it's such it's weird it's like it's interesting as well because um on episode one of the half strong very pretty podcast <laughs> out on spotify now um <laughs> we had nathan on who you know and we both said pretty much exactly the same thing that the the if you do get to photo shoot or whether it culminates in a photo shoot that's that's irrelevant but a a date wedding whatever that may be stay with your coach afterwards because yeah. that that process is i would actually say more important i think anyone with um some coaching pedigree can probably get you lean but it's about staying with them afterwards and keeping keeping you lean and yeah. healthy forever to me that's the sign of a, a good coach yes. is if two years after you've worked with them you know if they've stopped working with you you've got them to where they go they come back and they're in the same shape and they're happy like yeah. Yeah, yeah you've done your job yes absolutely if they come back and they've suddenly they're bigger than when you started with you know they're eating all over the place yeah i've, I've had a, a few times recently where clients who have who have left um my my coaching business have messaged me and like they're on the beach and they're in great shape and it's like six or eight months later and that to me is like that's that's more valuable than that that photo shoot transformation yeah. because it's like this is awesome you you've given someone the gift of like health basically yeah uh, and, and taught them how to live like that forever and they're, they're enjoying their holiday rather than having to be like oh god I've got to go invest in another coach or go back to school because I'm not in I haven't stayed in shape and it's it's that's that's a wonderful thing when you can help someone stay like that forever yeah and i think you said um something i want to touch on about online coaching is that you don't know who you're working with um they could literally be i coach people in australia it's the other side of the world um obviously that was really dumb um but is it <laughs> yes yeah yeah do you know I'm probably not very good at geography are you? um but yeah so coach people in australia and this girl does know who i am but some people might not know who I am. They found me on Instagram, never ever gonna meet me. And therefore they don't know anything about my ethos unless I put it on Instagram. And what would you look out for when you're choosing? I asked Nathan the same question. I think it's probably something I'm gonna keep asking people because it's interesting. What red flags would you look for when finding a coach? What online? Yeah. I was, yeah, because I think this is what we're talking about. It's really difficult because mm. what you've just said about, okay, the guy who's eight months down the line and, you know, you get the messages saying, you know, I feel amazing still. You know, you, they, if they're telling you, you've taught me this and I now can do these things. And that's really hard to get across on Instagram. Like, again, people just see the picture. Yeah. So i think it's hard it's hard to get that across on social media and you mm. can look for people i guess the testimonial videos now when people are expressing actually how they felt and maybe talking about the process yeah and maybe talking about this was a year ago and i'm i'm still doing this if there was a video like that 
if you're looking for a coach, if you can see more evidence of those types of things, I guess that will be something to look for. But because that doesn't really give, that doesn't get people in for client for coaching online, mm. coaches tend to post the things that they know before people know what they actually need, they'll be drawn to the before and after pictures. So that's where it becomes really difficult. Because yeah, absolutely. You've given me a good idea for content. <laughs> so I think that that is, that's really important though, is to, to document where they are in a year's time. So maybe mark down in my diary the day they leave and in a year ask them to contact mm. me and just see where they are. And then maybe do a testimony on that because that is, that's, that's, th that's what we're, we're all looking for, right? Yeah. Not, I, well, I've ever we're not. I, this is the thing. Some coaches, I think, aren't. Some. Oh, sorry. Want I, that. I, I meant the um, the the client is yeah. not many people I've ever come across go. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to be okay. Yeah, if you're bodybuilding, you have off seasons, but not many people say Gen Pop say I want to be in shape for my wedding, but overweight for the rest of my life. I don't think they say that, but that's what they're signing up for. That's what they're signing up for. But my yeah. my point is, we should. We should promote more the year on yeah. because yes, we got them in shape for their wedding, absolutely, but they and, stayed and like beyond. that. Yeah, and beyond. So I think that's yeah. quite a quite a good thing to maybe start documenting. I think the only thing is though, like again, if we're talking about like how everyone wants instant stuff, mm. if they've signed up for a really short term thing, mm. they've not gone into it really, maybe like subconsciously they already know I'm just doing this to get here yeah it's not with the intent of actually making a proper change it's a bit like a plaster yeah for and sure I'll feel better for that day and then it's done yeah so it's almost they've always signed up for they're not changing they're doing it for this amount of time so it's a really mm. different approach to start with so I don't really think yes. it's harder to then get a long-term outcome because they've not gone into it with that mindset and it's not approached in that way it's yeah. approached in we just need to do this in this short amount of time. Mm. And again, Heather, who um, she worked like about 10 years ago with a coach, exactly that, she lost weight, hated the process. She sent me something, I think I showed you the weird was food. That, was, that the was that the diet, <laughs> yeah. that lady? The boiled mints for uh, breakfast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounded horrendous. She hated the sessions, she used to like. Was there something else weird in it, like eating a buffalo or something uh, weird? Yeah, it was very. Yeah, it was obviously in fashion at the time yeah. <laughs> on yeah. Trent, but um, yeah, and then she used to like she would still speaks about the prowler, and she's like, oh god, I used to like, you know, I used to collapse at the end of the sessions, feel horrendous. She hated it. Yeah, and then shock horror, she when she came back and started working with me now, she's heavier than when she started, but she didn't enjoy any of it. Yeah. But she didn't she didn't go into it into it thinking I'm going to make a long term change. She mm. went into it. Well, I would just want to good, look good on my wedding day. So here's a question. So we've probably both worked with people who are severely overweight and two, three months down the line, they might be a kilo lighter, which in, if you're talking about three months in terms of transformations, it's nothing, yeah. right? It's a kilo lighter, so good, but it it's not, wow, it's not jaw dropping. They get likely to lose motivation mm. because they've come wanting to lose weight what do you say and how do you keep them going at that point? What? Yeah, I mean, a kilo is, is not very much in three months, but say it's like two. Okay, yeah, two, two three, three. Even even five, uh, yeah. we can go there. It's Yeah, so I think it's setting out the expectations at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So I'll often show previous examples, uh, you know, graphs of actually 
what weight loss really looks like. So we talk about the fluctuations, mm -hmm. but also talk about the fact that it's very individual. And some yeah. sometimes there's more unpicking of things that need to be done at the beginning um, before kind of the weight loss becomes a little bit more steady. It'll be yeah. s slow and steady, but you know, more consistent. Um, but actually that foundational stuff is the, the harder stuff. And once you've done all that, you're kind of plain sailing but if you don't do that it's going to crop up at some point and stop you progressing anyway mm. but to keep them motivated again it's i take lots of different measurements so it might even be showing them um so one of my clients recently the biggest thing they actually had lost a, a decent bit of weight but they were far more excited about the, the fact that their blood pressure had come down and their resting heart rate had come down and mm. oh my god like all these other markers that you can look at because we are, if we're working and changing on even improving their sleep, like there's evidence of these improvements and it's just monitoring those, making sure you're highlighting it to them and making sure again, how they feel, like always asking them because again, like lots of us, we're not even in tune with how we feel anyway. Yeah. And you have to kind of force people to think about it. You know, for some people, I've got a, a, a client, Darren, he's, stats that's his thing so we monitor absolutely like everything yeah. but that motivates him mm. you know and it, you need these other things or it might be okay so the weight loss is going slow and steady not as much as you know you you might think you should be doing but how about the fact that you could now you know you've gone up on your you know your lap pull down how much more are you you know that working with all that how much more are you you know how much closer you are to that press up whatever it is mm. and just all the other things that like we said it's the journey yeah and you get all these other factors and if you're just focused on the number it, it, it doesn't work to me you're kind of setting yourself up to fail i agree and something you said to me before um not today was you sent me a picture of one of your transformations and you uh, and i asked you how long it took and i think i think your response was rude <laughs> well, no, it, was, it was like um i don't know don't care um just re like really happy with how he's done and i think that that really triggered something for me like in a positive way that like that's great like it doesn't it doesn't matter because we all including myself emphasize this short term yeah. bam 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 when actually the client gone from a to b and was really really happy so what it, it's not about it's not about that and i think that's um that's one thing I wanted to say. And then the other thing you said was about blood pressure. And it's really interesting about the world we live in that I took a client's, I helped take uh, a client's blood pressure. It was, oh, I can't remember, fuck, what was it? It was like 180 over 100 or something. It was it was off the charts, mate, you probably need to go to hospital. Um, back to absolute, and he was he, he was by no means obese. He was He was carrying some timber, he knows who he is um so it's fine um but we took it all the way down but he we also got him really shredded and i posted both things separately one about his blood pressure going down and literally from death's door to healthy and then took him from you know a bit skinny fat if we're honest if that's i can say that mm -hmm. it's my podcast i can say what i yeah. want um but we all, we all know what it means right so a bit skinny fat to shredded that one got so much more attention and praise yeah. than the fact he literally saved his life by dropping his blood pressure and i think that's also something that really needs to change in our industry in that there's got to be this health focus yeah and getting someone 
to, you can get someone shredded healthily. That's getting someone shredded. Let me just reiterate that it's not it's not an issue, but it's got to be in a healthy manner. And if they're not healthy at the end of it, you fucked up basically. Unless you are bodybuilding, that's a, that's we're not talking about bodybuilding today. It's a different sport. Um, and I'm sure any decent level bodybuilder is not doing it for health. They know they're not especially healthy at the end of it. Um, but I think that needs to, I think that needs to change in our industry. There has to be an emphasis on health. And for people to understand as well, like I know we're not talking about bodybuilding, but when you're in that state on stage, like for women, you know mm. that that's it's really unhealthy. Like they're not. There's so many things that's unhealthy about it. So yeah. And for um, for guys, uh, yeah, uh, but I suppose it, I'm thinking with women to have that that lower body, you know, that the yeah. lower levels of body fat, like like we talked about with me, like your menstrual cycle gets affected uh, earlier, if we, you know, uh, yeah. than it would. Obviously, a man doesn't have a menstrual cycle, but you know what I mean. Those levels no, of body fat, you know, have big health implications, and it's, you know, these women have, you know, they have to have boob jobs because they've got no body fat left. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and it's like. It, but, it, but other bit people who aren't trained, you know, and someone who's overweight will see that. I think it's healthy. Not so, sorry, that's a generalization. Someone who doesn't isn't educated about these things or, you know, mm. just sees these pictures on Instagram doesn't necessarily realize that in that state, that's not health either. I, I had it all the time when I was competing. Oh, wow, like, you must feel amazing. You must feel so good, blah, blah. And I was like, I literally have zero sex drive at all. Uh, I remember walking up a hill and I'm talking like, I don't mean no percentages and gradients. It was like, you wouldn't notice it's a hill normally. It was slightly curved and being like- A slope. Yeah, it was, a, it was genuinely, it was a slope. It wasn't a hill, it was a slope. And I remember having to stop halfway through and it was probably about 50 meters long because I just could not like catch my breath. I felt horrendous the whole time. I remember my friend on my peak week training me and he said to me, so you need to stop, you're going to die. Uh, and I was like, no, no, I've got to keep going, got to keep going. And you're so unhealthy. And then let alone, and I don't really know much about this area, but when I was taking injectables, I was telling a uh, injectable steroids, sorry. Um, when I was, I was telling a client the other day, he was asking me about them, not as in he wanted to take them, but we just got onto the subject. And we're talking about going on stage and how unhealthy it is for women. Guys, I, re I remember um, without being too descriptive my balls literally being probably the size of a peanut each <laughs> it was pretty insane at how unhealthy uh i won't go into the science behind why why that is with your testosterone when you're injecting and stuff because it's not relevant today but the things they do to get to that stage are not healthy um and and maintaining like again maintain. people will see those pictures and presume you look like that the whole time yes yeah yeah same with magazine covers like yeah yeah you can't like if you look like that the whole time you you wouldn't be around very long right it's, yeah but people don't know this and no. people again things like instagram magazines whatever the mm. media they just see that i'm like oh that's obtainable and people look like this the whole time mm. and they're wanting something that doesn't even exist yeah and the times that it does exist it, we know that people are in a really unhealthy you know not very happy place or state to get there i remember glorif glorifying it myself just yeah. thinking like oh wow, those guys must just feel like amazing. And I remember really clearly um, being like, someone someone said to me, oh, you um, must get loads of female attention. I was like, I didn't want it. What I wanted was girls to think I was gross 
and guys to think I was like, whoa, because I was like, if you can get to that stage, to the point girls think you're gross, then that's like, I've achieved. <laughs> I've achieved a really high level here because it's like I having mean, striations all over you, veins and stuff. Some girls are into it and there's, you know, every, uh, what do they say? Every uh, pot has a lid, but it was, that was like, that was my goal to make girls think I was extreme. gross because to, to be that extreme was, and, and just think that is not healthy. <laughs> That's no, not, healthy not healthy to want to be so extreme. You're off putting the, the opposite sex or if you're same sex, whatever the, the people you're normally attracting. Yeah. That's, that's, wrong that, <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty fucked you got, i went too far this time yeah um so yeah so i think uh, an element of health and that brings me back to a point i want to talk about on gen pop is that we see i see anyway a lot of um coaches emphasizing re- insane amounts of exercise like oh you've got to do um twenty thousand steps and uh train five times a week and do x x x y and z and it's like w- how do you bring people back to know that that's not actually the case? You don't need to do those things to get to a healthy weight or even very lean. Well, as coaches, I suppose like the best way to reach people outside mm. of the people we directly talk to, like one to one or train, is stuff like this, right? Mm. The more we can, you know, put the information out there on our social media, on podcasts, on articles, newsletters, and stuff, and the more we talk about it. And the more of us talk about it, then we're going to hopefully have a positive impact on that side of things. Yeah. But it's a bit, you know, you're up against a lot because it, there's so much out there, isn't there? Like, if I always think if I didn't have the knowledge I have and work in this industry, if I was just a member, you know, didn't have anything to do with this and just absorbed what I saw on Instagram, the Daily Mail, <laughs> yeah. you know, like... I'd be so confused and I would be doing trying all these weird things because there's just so much you know poor information out there 100%. and also as in any industry it's pick ours isn't that regulated so not at all you don't know who's saying what they're saying or promoting what they're doing mm. but if we see they're in shape we presume most of us will presume they must know what they're doing i'll do what they tell me yeah uh, and that's yeah the dangerous kind of link and i suppose what we're up against at the moment when we're actually if we actually are trying to get people and focus on their health and put get mm. them to a healthier place so again it's just i think as long as the people that we work with we're explaining all of this and trying to educate them then that's kind of our job yeah i think uh i had two thoughts then one was maybe a tip for people looking for online coaching is that i've always said you want to make sure that the person has results on on their page of that of similar to what you want however thinking through things we've talked about today you could there could be a uh, let's say a guy who's gone from i'm going to exaggerate 200 kilos to 100 kilos and that's what you want to do but you don't know the process on getting there maybe see if you can reach out to that person the to the client because then you'll know you can have a chat with them i, I assume most people are quite nice in life and maybe that's where i'm going wrong um, is they want to help others. So if, if someone, if I'd been on the receiving end, I have a coach, so someone messages me and says, oh, you know, what, what's it like working with Nick? 
I will, I'll tell them. I'm not going to be like, please don't talk to me. Like, that's a weird thing to do. And if you generally are having a good experience, you probably want to share that. So you probably want to share it. So I think that's... Um, that's a really good... That's maybe a, a good one. And the other, the other thing was, which is sort of, it's not really related, is um, about habit building. Can't remember how I related it, why it came up in my head, but as a, but something we've spoken about before is um, I think the twenty thousand steps to changing something completely so over the top. We've spoken before about changing people's lifestyle by twenty percent mm. rather than a million, um, and that you. You know, to stick to that makes life easier. So if you're doing 2,000 steps, if you're very uh, inactive, if I said to you, go and do 10,000 steps, which is a big number in the industry s standards at the moment, like, oh, you've got to do your 10K steps. I hear that on every Zoom call I go on. Mm. Oh, I haven't hit 10K steps. You're like, right, I, I don't give a shit, to be honest. Unless that's, we talked about that as your goal. I, I don't care. Just move around, be healthy, but basically just implement 20% more. So if it's 2,000, 2400 now makes it a lot less intimidating and easy to do and then we can progress from there yeah but that just highlights the fact that that it, it if you're going for a short quick fix you mm. might go expect someone i'm sure there are people that say right you've suddenly got to do 10,000 steps a day this 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 and i'll get you that short-term result but if we're looking at a longer term thing you've got that time and you've made it clear to that client that this is if we want to build habits and make change mm. if i give you kind of that what you'll be doing by the end of this now yeah all at once uh, of course they're not going to stick to it and not be able to process and accept that much amount mm. of change we know that change is difficult for just humans in general to make so yeah. behavioral change like we said there is there's a that figure of around 20 percent we can accept in yeah. general some people it might be less some people a little bit more but if we look around that figure, if they can sit to, the, to that consistently, cool, let's add in the next layer, let's then look at changing this or mm. pushing that a little bit further. But it's, yeah, it's it's a different approach. And so again, it's just educating your client if you've had someone who's experienced a short-term thing and they suddenly come in and they, they're like, oh yeah, okay, so I'm gonna have to do this, aren't I? And I'm like, no, I just want you to actually do an extra thousand steps this week. Sometimes I've had that reaction of, oh, is that yeah. all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's as long as you're educating and giving the reasoning behind that, it, you know, people can accept that and get on board, but it takes that, it just takes education and explanation as to why. Yeah, I think that's um, a good point that sometimes reining people back in mm. because everyone, even, even if you've explained it's a lifestyle and even if they've said, look, I, I understand it's gonna be a lifestyle, when you tell them, okay, I just I just want you to do X, Y, and Z. I've often found that, um, like on on the app I use for my online coaching, they've put in extra things that they've done, and then I'll message them and be like, why have you yeah. why have you done that? Oh, because I felt good, so I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's not always a case of that. Sometimes it is a case of less sit is back more. and yeah, less less is more. And actually, on um, on my Instagram at Soulcats Coaching, <laughs> um, I did. Um, That's plug number five. I think. Yeah, I did um, a quiz the other day, but just about building muscle, which is obviously not especially related to, to this. And I asked, how many sets does it take to build um, to build muscle? Not as in how many sets exactly, but as in what sort of rep range uh, sets and volume. And one of the answers was the more the better. One was the minimum dose, uh, and then the others were some numbers. And the top voted for was uh, as as many as it yeah. takes or whatever the, the what I just said. Better. The more the better. That was it. 
And uh, I thought that's really interesting because there is this case of like, oh, well, the more I do, the, be the better I am. And I can get like that with work in that I remember when I was doing one-to-one -one PT, doing like 45 hours because I wanted to make a lot of money. 45 hours, by the way, in PT terms, people listen to this. It's not like you don't just have hour back to back to back because a lot of people listen to this and go, I do 45 hours work. What would that translate to time in the gym? And then all the admin. All, all, the, all the admin, all the time waiting for clients in between, all the programming, everything. I mean, you're talking like 100 hours at least, right? And I was running to the ground and, and okay, I'll be honest, I was making a lot of money. But I didn't even, I couldn't spend my money because on weekends I was so battered that I would just lie in bed or just like watch TV all weekend and do nothing else yeah. because I was fucked. And I had this attitude of, well, the more I do, the more money I'm gonna make. And actually, eventually what happened was I was so beaten up and I was drowning that my clients started leaving me because my service went down. I felt like shit and I ended up making less money. Mm. And I think relating that back to clients is for a period, yeah, you can do really well and it felt great and I was like, wow, I'm the busiest in the gym, I'm earning loads of money, blah, 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 until that smacks you in the face and it's the same thing. Oh, wow, I've lost 10 kilos this month and oh, I've done X, Y, and Z, and I'm doing 20,000 steps, blah, 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 until that one day where you can't do that and it all goes to shit and you can't get yourself back on track because it's too much to then take on again and you end up, like I said, like where I was, just flat on your ass and out of it, basically. Yeah, I've got a client, um, John, who, he, he's an online one, so I do a lot of the mindset stuff with mm -hmm. him. I mean, that's huge for him because he, I've worked, I've known him since I qualified as a PT. So he used to be in my spin classes. Um, you know, when I first started PT and I used to go to people's homes and I was getting them to like jump over the Reebok step. And oh yeah, <laughs> I, remember, I remember that. Yeah, but where you start. Yeah. And I didn't know at the time how complex he was as a human and <laughs> all the yeah. stuff behind it. So shock horror, never really. We, I, obviously he enjoyed the sessions, he moved around, but I didn't, he needed to lose a, quite a bit of weight mm. and then he's kind of come and gone and I've obviously stayed in contact. And then in the last year, finally we've made some like solid progress. And when nice. I say that, I mean, he's now lost 25 kg. Uh, he's not actually touched alcohol since March last year. Wow. And we've, you know, he is a, someone who has always had that all or nothing mm -hmm. mentality, just like you were saying, like he goes to the extremes. Yeah. And what was happening, the cycle was he'd reach burnout because he'd be doing spin classes and then he'd be like, oh, I'll just do another one. Oh no, yeah. Lizzie, I managed to do another one. I managed to eat 200 calories less and had that, like kept thinking, oh, I'll add in, add in, add in. Mm. And just like burnout, shock horror, then put on more weight and he'd do this yo-yoing until again, we started working together again last year and he was probably at his heaviest weight. Um, but he's, this time he's had success because we've highlighted and I think he's finally proved himself <laughs> enough times yeah. okay what I was doing and that approach doesn't work and we've tried now this is a slow steady approach he's like I, I have to constantly rein him back because if we don't keep kind of tabs on it his old habits creep in of him wanting to add in I'll be like John what how come you did an extra <laughs> there's an extra spin class on him and hang on yeah. your calories are starting to come down again and then it's like okay yeah reset but it it takes a lot of work to overcome those things. And I think we're so e we can so easily slip into those habits. Yeah. And I think that's part of our roles as a coach is you're helping someone see that 
Mm-hmm. So you didn't have anyone obviously coaching you at that time in terms of looking at your life, but you suddenly were doing 45 hours, you know, and then you start yeah. to see all the negative effects. Yeah. And I think that's really, that's a cool part of our job. And a big part of our job is being able to help people see their own patterns mm. and help rein them in when we need to. Would you say um, that, he, so he's come back He's come back to you. Well, how much uh, do you think is down to him? And how much do you think is down to you changing as a coach? So I've changed it. So this, again, uh, I'm not, I don't know how, I'm not allowed to mention where I work. So I may have to oh. edit these uh, out. Sorry. Don't know. No, it's fine. Um, but I'd say working with him, the biggest change is because of the change in me mm. and the work I've done and the education I've done recently. And I think only now am I at a, I'm the level of coach to help him. Whereas yeah. before I didn't have the skills that he, he needed. As I said, he's a more complex character. So again, he's had some addictive behaviors. He's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, he's not diagnosed, but we both laugh, laugh about it that I'm sure he's got ADHD. His head's all over the place the whole time. Yeah. And again, he was really similar to me. And it's again, using my experiences of trying to calm myself down, like listening to my body, actually delving into, okay, why do I do these patterns? Why do I, I've done the thing like overworking Mm. and he has a lot of these traits. So because I've looked into that, learned about it and made those some changes for myself over the last, I'd say three, four years, that's why I'm now the coach to help him and why I'm having more success with kind of people who are more significantly overweight because I'm finding they've all got similar patterns. And as I've said, I can, you know, yes, we don't maybe look the same, but it comes from the same place. So the behavior change that I've had to implement to myself is how I'm now now understanding them more as clients, as well as the education to kind of help them get there. So I think it's more that side of things is why I can help him now. Yeah. And that's why, you know, but I suppose I feel more kind of, I'm very connected to all of those journeys because I can, I suppose there's a personal element in it. Coaching is, um, we were saying before about how connected we can get to clients. Like I've trained people, some of them for, I think my current longest is eight years. Um, and you just get so connected. He, he won't be listening to this because he's he's pretty old, bless him. Um, he's 87 years old, I think, 87, something like that. But um, he, yeah, you get so connected to people mm-hmm. in their journeys. And I think that's that's a massive part of, of the coaching process as well. And I think where as we've both got older, obviously, like time does, um, understanding, as as you start to understand yourself, when I got into coaching, I was 21, had zero experience of like being an adult myself. Yeah. And I was just like, well, yeah, why can't you just weigh everything you eat and just be shredded and- Just follow just, everything I say. Yeah, just follow <laughs> everything I say, what's wrong with you? Like you are, and the classic, you don't want it enough. Yeah, and it's yeah. It's like, no, I really, really want this, but I don't know how to get there. Uh, and not just literally get there in terms of your macros and all that, get there mentally to follow the macros. And I think as we've both, uh, how long have you done therapy for now? You said a long time. Uh, well, consistently, but yeah. more consistently, like over two years. Over two years. But I, yeah, but where, where we've dabbled sort of, before. Yeah, and where, where we've matured and experienced these things ourselves um, and gone through our uh, disordered eating, and, and whether that's disordered eating or just matured as, as coaches and as people and studied more, I think you do, I look back at some of the stuff I used to do. You said about j- Reebok jumping. <laughs> and I just remember like, literally I brought like flashbacks of just being a horrendously bad coach I, um, back in the day. But that's but that's part of it. That's no, yeah. Nobody starts their journey 
as an incredible no. as you know and Jeff Bezos what he started in his shed wasn't it with um, a science and Amazon I think that's like again that we can that perfectionist kind of element of us and wanting mm. to be the best like we wouldn't be where we are today without all the stuff that we've done before right so yeah but also at that time I was still helping John just yep. not in the way I can help him now yes yeah so true. I think and yeah. I'm the first person to criticize myself <laughs> but even just hearing because it's you know hearing you say it, I'm like you would have been giving value to that person you're yeah. just now able to do a slightly different thing and take them on a slightly different journey I suppose there's that well there's that what's it Dunning-Kruger effect you know that where it's basically you start when you start doing something you think you know nothing oh yeah yeah very very quickly you think you know everything and the longer you do it the more you realize you don't know you get and that overwhelmed feeling. Yeah, yeah yeah and yeah. it's and it's kind of it's kind of that isn't it like you I, I remember when I started, I thought I knew nothing, and then I was like, oh, I know everything. Yeah. And why can't you stick to this shit? Like, I've just given it to you. Just do it. Works for me. And then as, yeah, as, as you got better, yeah, as you got older and more mature and better, like you said, you're, you're, you're providing value in a different way. That's then probably slightly better. And I'm sure five, da five years down the line, if I'm not a better coach than I am now, then I've, I've fucked up, to be honest, because you should always be growing and, and maturing at, at that. Um, I think we need to wrap up fairly soon. Um, I think Stephen Barlow, Stephen Barlow, who's probably listening to this, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> wh what does he do at the end? He asks like three three takeaways that you would give to people listening to this. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Three here. takeaways. I think it's something like that. Like, what would you, if you're listening to this and you are someone with disordered eating, you are not not all of these. You can be one, all of them, whatever. Someone with disordered eating obese, severely overweight, whatever you want to call that, um, body dysmorphia, any, anything that we've spoken about really in depth today, the, mm. the main topics of it, three takeaways that you would try and implement. I know it's quite hard to put your... No, so I think the biggest thing for me, and this is something that I think has always helped me, is that it doesn't... I think it's important not to let that kind of... That doesn't claim your identity. That's not who you are. You just mm. may have that. So you might be obese, but that's not... That's not you. It just doesn't yes. define you. That's great. I think also that you can always change. I'm a massive believer that mm. I do think we can do amazing things if you have the the right guidance and if you have the right tools. And this this is all about mindset and your mm -hmm. approach to things. And I think delving into your own patterns. So start to explore and actually question. Because yeah. so many of us don't. We just kind of accept and we think that, that there's no we can't change or we don't even bother think about it and I think if you unlock your thinking a little bit and start to question yourself maybe others around you that can lead you to some like incredible places yeah I think for, for me just one would be just keep an open mind um, in that anything you th anything you think is possible you, you can you can achieve it even if you don't think it's possible sorry and just going back to um, sporting achievements just to wrap up um, I'll talk mine at the moment and then we'll go on to quickly yours in that I remember looking in the strongman you start in beginners then there's novice inters opens and I remember in my first comp uh, I got the entry wrong so I had to go into the second category which is novice I remember looking at the big boys above me and the inters and thinking wow they're they're super super strong I'll never get there like that's just like they're just so cool like this is amazing what they can lift and now I'm at that level and you just 
if you have limiting beliefs, you'll never believe, you'll, you'll never achieve it. So I remember coming out of my novice one and I didn't do particularly well. I came, I think, sixth out of 12, something like that, roughly. You know, good, fine, not amazing. Uh, and I remember after that, I thought, I can, I can get that. I, w I will get to Inters and now I'm, now I'm there. I'm sure probably when you first threw your first kick, or however you start <laughs> doing kickboxing, I have no idea. Uh, you probably didn't like think, beat the first person up on the street. Yeah, yeah, you probably didn't think, well, I'm probably going to be world champion here, I assume. Or did you? Classic, Lizzie. Of course you did. <laughs> what I an idiot. I wanted to, yeah. straight away. I, wa I remember the defining moment of gymnastics when I walked into, I just got moved up to the next squad and I walked in and I saw the amazing stuff and I just, I have it, it's like a flashbulb memory. I, I want that. Did you think you I'm could get, get that? that. Yeah, so in my she's weird, <laughs> but I do. There's certain things that I'm like, if I want it, yeah, and I'll have. Don't get me wrong, I have doubt along the way. Of I'll course, have moments when I want to give up, but if I want something, I, and I often I won't vocalize it, but in my head I've all it's already registered as that's where we're going. Okay, but and I think I, I think a lot of people probably are close. They they limit limiting beliefs. Yeah, and, and they're not open to change open to change through through the issues that they have inside them like like we said about um about the blaming other people and stuff it it's it comes from within you there are some some troubling factors that are causing that but i think being open to change and you know, i remember someone saying something about changing your friendship circle and i'm thinking basically fuck off like i'm not changing my friends but actually the whole thing of you are the people you hang around with if you're continuously hanging around people who go to the pub every night and just and sit and eat takeaways, etc. That's your friendship circle. You're going to struggle to then break out of that. So I think keeping an open mind to what your coach is giving you is yeah. probably a, a good. And don't get me wrong. Even though I, like I said, I knew I wanted those things. That came with a load of, like I said, self doubt, and there'll be times when I wanted to give up and probably nearly did. Mm. But as long as you just you have that thought that you want something. Like I moved, I moved, I relocated and changed everything recently in my life. Mm. And it was been the hardest thing I've ever done, but you do it. So I think yeah. just making yourself uncomfortable and accepting it's gonna be uncomfortable, but doing it anyway yeah. and trying and just, tr I think as long as you don't give up and you keep that, I guess a little bit of hope alive, you can get there. But it's if you have no, if you, if that shut down, that's, the hard part you need to have that first initial glimmer or spark for sure and I that might be something we can provide <laughs> there you go um, i think that's a, a great place to wrap up um firstly thank you very much lizzie for joining me um to find her on instagram it is at lizzie kicks there's a dot in there there's a I'm lizzie sure. dot kicks okay I, I was like, i'm sure it's a dot or an underscore lizzie dot kicks, at lizzie dot kicks. Um, obviously mine uh, if we're listening from lizzie's side i suppose is at Soulcats coaching um, thank you very much for listening and hopefully see you or hear you on the next podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. And all the girlies say I'm pretty fly for a white guy. <laughs> <laughs>